podcast, episode <laughs> 180. Um, it's very mellow. Yeah. Very about. NPR. Let's talk like that the whole time. This is... Uh, this is Chris. It's been a it's been a challenging couple of weeks for me. Um, so last week I had my big uh, my big work thing didn't go well. <laughs> I got another one on the twenty second or the twentieth. I don't remember. Later this month, uh, much much less stressful. We have some very tight targets, but I think we can hit them. Um, so the bulk of it is done, sort of. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's been, uh, this, this last couple of days at work have been really long. I was at the office like, um, almost 11 hours yesterday and then I left the office and was still on the phone until about like four thirty, five o'clock today. And then you guys saw me still working when you walked into the house. Uh, up till moments ago, you were still working. Yeah. Literally right before we started recording. Um, so it's been, it's been very busy work time for me. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to have a nice holiday break because the biggest uh, of the endeavors that we've engaged in will be done and over with and I can kind of refocus and do some other stuff that I actually want to do and, as opposed to the stuff I've been doing at work. So, hey, What time do the polls close tonight at 8? Eight? 8 is usually when they close here in a couple of hours, so... I don't think very many people will go. I don't know. It sounded like Salt Lake was going to have like a 40 plus percent voter turnout. They were talking about this I, morning. I would hope it's bigger than that because the, 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 the race mayoral is race is, is there and that's a pretty big deal. But, um, you know, like my district here, we had two votes. We had one for a board member at the rec center and one for, I think, a town council was the other one. So really small ballot. And that's how most of them are. Mine didn't have anything this time. Yeah. So it is just municipal for the most part, but um, I think it's important to tell people to go vote. It's a little late now if you didn't listen to us <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Um, that's okay. These are the election. These are the elections, though, that actually have a lot of impact locally. Uh, when you're when you're electing those really small local officials, they have the biggest impact on your day to day life. So right. When you're pissed off because they. Won't put in a traffic light near your house. This, these are the kind of people or, you want to well, pot, potholes that they're, don't get um, fit. Yes. In American Fork, they're talking about raising um, taxes in American Fork to install fiber cables, but not everybody would like. Not everyone would benefit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So she actually, I'm really, really proud of her. In one year, she has gone from never voting in her life to now she's like emailing her city council people. Good. I'm so proud of her. Good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Are your bees dead yet? Have you looked? No. So, okay. Today, the the weather was... It's a, not on here, but just, I'm curious, just actually. The, yeah. the weather was a little better today, like lows. Yeah. It was, and it's supposed to be nice and kind of warm this week. So, when I went out and checked, they were actually buzzing around the hive. And there's a lot of them? They look like they're in normal numbers? No. For this time of year, it's hard to say. There's probably two or three hundred buzzing around the hive. Because you're not going to open up the actual no. hive and uh -huh. look inside, but you can look through your little glass and it uh -huh. looks... Yeah, so... Are they like travelers? They're like visitors? That does it look better out? than it looked when you checked a couple weeks ago? It does. So what I'm wondering is, because I didn't open it all the way up when I checked... You just looked through the window? I wonder if they were kind of huddled all to one side. That could be, because that's a big... Your window doesn't cover... No, anything. it only... Guys, how's it going in there? Yeah. <laughs> the window only covers this kind of the center, so maybe they were all kind of... Down to one end. So I was happy today, though, to see quite a few of them out. That's good. So that's a good sign. 
That's a really good Fingers song. are still crossed. We'll see what happens. It's always good when they can last a season, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jess, did you do anything fun this weekend? Red Halloween. Yeah, Halloween happened. Do you want me to tell how shitty Halloween was? Uh-oh. Ours was pretty good, but we yeah, had We had six, six door knockers. Like, there were probably a handful more kids than that, like maybe a dozen total. We had six knocks on the door. The whole evening. And, and at like 8.30, I look outside, and none of our goddamn neighbors had their porch lights on. Fucking blackout on the street. I'm like, this is stupid. We're done. So we had, and so I, we did our. I'm not doing it next year, by the way. I'm we, not buying candy. We did our fire pit like <laughs> usual. And this year, because of how cold it was, we did a big uh, five gallon thing of hot chocolate and cider. The hot chocolate was gone before, before the evening was out. We went through six bags of candy. We, I don't even know how many kids we had in the hundreds, easy in the hundreds. That's freaking awesome. Six bags. Were you buying like little bags? No. Or were you like the monster no, bags? No, well, so, bags. So I had a couple of big bags and then Julie and Brighton wanted to come because Brighton wanted to scare people. So I'm like, whatever. Um, those videos were hilarious, and by the way. And so they're like, they're like, well, do you want us to bring anything? And I said, well, we've got, we've got a couple bags of candy, but we never, I never know if that's enough. So we already had two and they brought four more and we went through everything. Wow. That's awesome. So it was cool. And then the fire pit, and like I've talked about in years past, so go back and listen to past episodes if you really care. Um, we're at the, we're at the first house in the cul-de-sac. And so all the parents will come, sit by the fire, drink hot chocolate while they watch their kids go. Oh, all so you way. supply hot chocolate to everyone? Yeah. So whoever, until it's gone and it, it went, it went, it's, this is the first year we've done the hot chocolate. And we're like, well, should we try it? I mean, cause what's the thing of hot chocolate? Like, I don't know, six, seven bucks. So it was like, it's, Inexpensive to do hot chocolate. Just do a big. Do you so, do it in a big thing? Yeah, the big. What like is big that? Pop. Like five gallon. The big five gallon igloo. Uh, igloo finger. Yeah, it was gone. Before we we had to like I had to take it off the table and like put it away because there wasn't any left. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, that's great. It was cool. Yeah. So we had a we had an amazing turnout. But we usually do. The only thing that did irritate me is they did a trunk or treat the night before. Mm. And I am like, why on earth in this neighborhood do we need a trunk or treat? This is a safe neighborhood. There's tons of kids. There's no need for that. I could see some neighborhoods that are sketchy or some neighborhoods that are kind of spread out or maybe there's a lot of old people, not very many young people. As a maybe for a trunk or treat, maybe. But our neighborhood, it's like that just means there's two or three super lazy people who don't want to take their kids out and use that as an excuse. But anyway, aside from that, our trick treating was went really well. It was cold, but it went really it wasn't well. Not as cold. I don't think they thought it was going to be. It was still fucking cold. It was like below freezing. It was like We're or like right at freezing. Yeah. So that's really cold for for as of the with last several years. The fire pit, and I was drinking more than just uh, hot chocolate, so I stayed warm. <laughs> yeah, I thought about doing that, but I was pretty. I was actually content. Bree and I just sat in the front room and just kind of hung out and like just sat there and talked. So your neighbors all just didn't even try. They just. So the neighbors at the bottom of the street had a huge fucking party and a bunch of kids and none of them came to our house. And then, like I said, by 830, every light on the, in the bottom of the cul-de-sac was off and their party was shut down. And I want to say we went till probably 930, close to 930. Kind of nine o'clock, just after nine, I kind of started cleaning up, but I had it all cleaned up and was inside, and we still had a couple of people knock at the door. So it's probably probably about nine thirty, I'm guessing. Wow. How about you, Jess? I didn't. 
I kept my porch light off because I'm not usually <laughs> home on Halloween. And so I didn't know what my plans are, but I had to pack and finish getting ready for the weekend. So I just kept my porch light off. But one of my neighbors said that they went around the horseshoe that I live in and nobody was home anyways. So they went to another neighborhood. So I don't feel so I wonder. Bad. I wonder if people in your area go like across the Probably. street. To the- well, we used to have tons of kids in our neighborhood and I think the majority of them have moved out. So we just don't, we really don't have a lot of kids in our neighborhood anymore. Yeah. So my sister who lives in your neighborhood, they have Addie. She's nine, but they go over to my brother's neighborhood which yeah, is just on the other side the of all yeah. of the established houses and stuff. And there's a ton yeah. of kids over there. And those are easy neighborhoods to walk through because everything's super close together. So I was the jerk with my porch light off. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> That's okay. That's but, okay. Yeah. Also, second coldest Halloween on record. Really? Yep. I remember was- the last trick-or-treating that I went with my brother. It was bl- It was a blizzard. What was the yeah. coldest, does it say? It was like in the 80s, like 83 or something. Before mm. before I lived here. Yeah. It was forever ago. That's pretty crazy. That is crazy. So, it was hot in California. It was like 86. Yeah, so you were in California this last week? I was. Slash weekend? Mm-hmm. Yep. For Dapper Day. That is it? Okay. You're just going to stop there? <laughs> <laughs> People don't really care. They don't. That's uh, not true. They do care. Particular people care. Um, Those that matter. <laughs> I uh, not Peter though. You don't matter. It was uh, it <laughs> was Dapper all, Day. Well, he again. doesn't care one or the other. Not all they Peters do matter. Two times a year, they do it in the spring and in the fall. So I went down with my friends to help her run her business. And is this your third? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Third yep. time. Full Great. circle. Now it's been a year. Oh, full circle. So cool. Very cool. I know. I kept saying. I kept. Yeah. It's only been six months since the last time, but it was good. It really. It really wasn't as busy. This time, I mean, it didn't feel like it, but also we were in the hotel for the first like eight hours of the day, so <laughs> so you weren't really in the park the whole time, right? How is Star Wars land? Um, do you know what? So I'm I'm only a Star Wars fan because of people that are in my life that love it, right? Um, and you know, it's they're fun movies. I uh, can appreciate what they are, and like when you first walk into it, it's pr- it's pretty incredible what they have done with that. Base. Like to make our, it feel like you're... we were on the eleventh floor of the Disneyland Hotel, and it looked out over. Um, you could see Batu. Mm. Um, I got talking to a lot of people in there. They said there's a lot of purists that are not happy that <laughs> it's like a new land, and they didn't bring in any old, you know, Star Wars stuff. But I mean, you're walking around. Chewie's walking around. Ray's walking around. Stormtroopers are walking around. Like. Um, the bazaar is really cool. When you turn the corner and you see the Millennium Falcon, it's pretty incredible. If anybody's going, I highly suggest doing it at night first because it's awesome. But my favorite part was you're walking through and the way that they've created the noises, uh, animals like the pod racers flying over your head. Like it's awesome. Like I, there's not any other space in, and apparently if you walk up to the walls, you can like hear chatter. It's like, you know, townspeople hmm. chattering. Um, I was talking, and the the ride's fun. I mean, it's short, but it's 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 pretty fun. Uh, and the like, the queue and the way they set it up is actually really really neat. Um, the sm- the um, rise of the res- resistance that was supposed to open this year that won't open until the beginning of next year. We got talking to a couple of people and found out why, and it actually is pretty incredible. It's going to be the first no track ride that exists and they had laid the electrical lines too close to 
the surface. And so it was interfering with the computer systems. So you had to go back in and uh, dig them out and, and relay, relay them. <laughs> yeah. That was, I mean, that was part of it, but I'm like, I'm glad that they figured out that now versus like getting the ride open and you know it being one of those that's like always broken down <laughs> so yeah it's 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 pretty neat all the spaceships um that are that they have set up in there and chewy is ginormous and what did they do with the launch bay is that still open in tomorrowland oh yeah oh, I, I mean i think so i didn't because it was the, the the launch bay was supposed to be all about the upcoming stuff. Right. So I'm wondering I, if they're going to do something different. Or? I want them to turn that back to the carousel progress. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It was good. It was hot. Um, it was I, relatively, it's always busy in Disneyland, but you can always tell how busy it is based on like how long the lines are versus like how quickly it actually takes to get through. So most of the rides on Monday, it would be like this ride's 30 minutes and it only takes us 15 minutes to get through. So Monday was really, really nice. Saturday and Sunday were busier, but weekends typically are though. It was good. It was nice. I love the transition to Christmas and I thought we missed the Christmas tree getting put up last year by one day and we thought it would be the same. And I was walking into the park and like, it was just incredible because it's so, it's so tall and it's just like right there on main street and it's cool. So it was yeah, nice. I, just, I still want it to be a great place for me, but I've I know. had good experience. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's not. It's disappointing yeah. because it's so magical for so many people. And for me, I'm just like... Maybe you got to go with the right people at the right time. Am I just a total fucking Scrooge for not thinking <laughs> it's that great? It's a bunch no, of fucking people. No, I think a, a lot of people probably so, feel that So, way. for example, like December the 8th, I believe it's December the 8th, they have the 12 Beers of Christmas Festival. So, what it is is it's actually a, a beer tasting from, from 8 eight or ten or twelve or whatever different local breweries are coming in mm -hmm. and it's a whole tasting and it's a whole thing so and it's a food event so maybe if you were to go to something like that yeah but then this but is then how that's not disneyland but this is how i view this right so i go to this festival there's fucking way more people than normal there and to stand in line to get a beer is fucking an hour and a half <laughs> and i can't go get on a ride because that's fucking two hours like, what am I doing? Standing around a fucking park? I can go do that for free somewhere else and not pay an exorbitant amount of money. Oh, by the way, I can have 12 delicious beers that are all different here in Salt Lake, too. I get it. It's not for everyone. I, I just... I'll appreciate it extra for you. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm actually I, thinking about getting an annual pass. <laughs> I, I mean, I really... I would love to have some sort of magical experience there because I know so many people that absolutely love it. But maybe that's it. not your magical place. Like, like, even Bah Humbug Scrooge McJeremy loves Disneyland. It's true. And I don't understand it. Like, that seems to I, me like the kind of place you would fucking hate. I think I think part of it is, for me, though, is having little, little kids. kids and seeing the magic that they see... But it also changes when you go by yourself as an adult. And I was talking to a bunch of cast members about that this weekend, too. And just the different, like, the way that you view it like as a you, kid versus the way you view it as an adult. But so that's the other thing. How do you even talk to cast members? Because every time a fucking cast member comes out, they're, like, mobbed by a thousand people. And I'm not going to go talk to someone and, like, try to strike up a conversation with a cast member. <laughs> I know. I had one, like, run up to me because of a shirt I was wearing and talked to him for 30 minutes. <laughs> So, but like, usually I see cast members and they're mopped by fucking little kids, which is fine. That's what the thing is all about. But, but even like our kids when they went, like, they but you're thinking you're, th you're referring to cast members like characters, like all of them are cast members. So, oh, so you're just talking like the workers, yeah. the, uh -huh. they're called cast the, members, the cleaners and stuff in the park. Everyone. So, 
Yeah. I I don't know. I I really want to like it more than <laughs> I do, but to me, it's just like an overpriced theme park that's not. There's no magic in it for me. That's too. And bad. like even the food thing, like I'm like, okay, well, I really want like when we went the, the last time, I'm like, I want to get some Disneyland food, and none of it was super great. It was still just theme park food, and I'm like, mm. eh, I don't. That's unfortunate. There's better places to eat in that area <laughs> of California by a long shot. Like you way better. should have eaten on downtown Disney. That's where you should have gone. Yeah. So and that's all free. Like you could go hang out in downtown mm-hmm. Disney all yep. day for free. Yep. Rel- I mean, it's relatively free. <laughs> you can buy anything. <laughs> free to free. wander around in the area. Yes. Yep. So I don't know, but I, part of it too is maybe for me, like I we may go to San Francisco this year, Bree and I, just for a little trip. Do it. Yeah. I fucking love San Francisco. Yeah. I. I could spend days there and never be bored and have an amazing time, but yeah. So I mean, there's just I well, it's like when I went to Maui and I got thinking about. I mean, Maui was incredible. Don't get me wrong, but thinking about everybody that's like, oh my gosh, it's paradise, and and I just got thinking, you know, I th- everybody's paradise is different, you know, like I yes, live. it's it's beautiful and it is inc- it's super incredible. One of the beaches, by the way, by my cousin's house is closed because there are sharks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but the, but the, the paradise is relative, you know, like I would rather go hang out in New York City. That would be my like jam, you know, or New Orleans or something like that. But clearly you like people more than we do. You've just named like Disneyland, <laughs> New Orleans. I had a boss that once told me he didn't understand because I went to Times Square by myself one year for New Year's Eve. My boss like lost his mind. He's like, I have no idea how you did that. I've, I've <laughs> thought about doing that. I think that would be a fun experience. I've been to Vegas for New Year's, which is a really fun experience. It's not that there's just too many people like I like New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a really cool town. But I think part of it is what I want to experience is more than just like the magic of some stupid Disney show because, and part of this may be, I wasn't a fucking Disney kid. It could be. I was poor as shit. We didn't mm-hmm. have Disney movies. I went to Disney as a kid and I don't care either. We had like fucking Friday the but, 13th at my think house. About That's it. the movies we had. But, <laughs> but the difference between Maybe what you said, park like I like New Orleans and she named New Orleans as one of her favorite places. You're naming places that have fewer people for different reasons than she is. So yeah that's what it is like you don't like crowds you don't like a lot of people like but you like every, comic-con no every year for comic-con he's like do we want to go again this uh, year it's getting bigger and bigger there's so many people yeah tickets went on south today yep got them <laughs> just well so now let's i want to take a step back and then we'll actually talk about because <laughs> we're into our 25 minute intro <laughs> well i but it's all right so what you said is everyone's paradise is different I live in my fucking paradise. Like, I love to vacation places, but if I truly thought that Hawaii was a better place for me to live, I'd fucking live in Hawaii. I live in Utah, and in this area of Utah in particular, because I fucking love it. I love the mountains. I love the snow. I love that I can spend 30 minutes and be to anything but a beach at an ocean. Mm -hmm. That's fucking cool to me. Now, I would absolutely love to be by an ocean Simply because I love water. But it's always nice to love where you are, but also have the opportunity to go other places and appreciate that. Well, yeah. And, and to fly to L.A. is... Mm-hmm. But that's the other thing, too, is like... was $120 going to this, this time. The other thing is like going to the same place over and over is something Chris doesn't get either. No. I think for me, it just depends. Like, I know that I can find something different. I've been to... I. <sighs> 
believe it or not, I haven't even been to Disneyland a dozen times in my life. Like that's <laughs> not even yet. Well, and I, think and a, I started when I was 10. I think a place like that, like if you're enjoying small parts of it for long periods of time, like that, but for me, I'm like, I don't want to fucking sit at, cause it just feels to me like sitting at Lagoon at one of the stupid little restaurants. It doesn't feel any different to me just because it's got Disney logos everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that maybe is the part that's different cause there's no magic in Disney for me. It's just a film company. Yeah. But I get why it would be magical for people because Disney holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. It just doesn't do that for me because it wasn't there for me when I was a little kid. So and I really didn't have it as a kid, but as an adult, seeing it through my kids, yeah, exactly. that's what's made the difference for me. I took my kids when they were little and they didn't care that much. They're just too much like you. Maybe. <laughs> but they care about other stuff. Like we take the kids... It was funny because Universal, they they loved Universal way more than Disneyland. Oh, for sure. And I thought Universal was fantastic. Some of that was Harry Potter World was open. Mm-hmm. And Did they you really know that Disneyland that. put a bid in for that like four times? Yeah. For Harry I'm Potter? Glad, huh? I'm glad Universal Instead of having Star Wars. Because I thought Universal was, they, they nailed it. They knocked it like for it me, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge belongs at a place like Universal. Like, I get that it's a Disney property now, but like... See, Fortunately, I think, the way they've built it, you don't feel like you're part of Disneyland. It, this is really, when they say it's an immersive experience, it really is, but. Well, and that was like the universal Harry Potter stuff was extremely immersive compared to the rest of the park, I feel yeah. like. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I also, part of why I like Universal is. I why, like the backlot tour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was probably my favorite part of the whole damn thing was the backlot tour. <laughs> yeah. Like getting to see where they actually make movies is really kind of cool. The seeing, house and, seeing like the sound yeah. stages and stuff yeah. is really cool. Yeah. But anyway, so I was just saying I live in Utah because it, it, it is it is my paradise in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Like this is I absolutely love it here. I'm content honestly with Fanax of stocking a brie. Let's rent a hotel again because my Fanex experience is way more enjoyable when I can walk across the street when I'm tired of all the fucking people. Where do you guys stay? Chill Which out. One? Uh, we usually we've stay at that Holiday Inn Express, places, but actually. we've stayed at the Hilton. Gotcha. And we've stayed at the Monaco. Well, plus, then you can stay to the after parties and all that kind of stuff and not. And go to the bars and get lit at and night. Yeah. And, well, then you don't have to worry about. Yeah, we'd. we'd coming home and. We'd. Um, we'd, board board, ca- we'd board the uh, Phoebe. Phoebe again. I was going to say Leah. And then. See if my mom could watch Topper or whatever. So. Yeah. And I, because that makes the experience a lot more enjoyable. We don't have to stress about getting up and parking in the morning and like, you know. Find, well, and it's nice that you have almost a full year to like. Pr- plan for all plan that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And and I was going to say, I, I was going to mention it. Go get your tickets now. They're super cheap. There's a, they, they sent out a special loyalty code today as well on top of the original discount. If you're, you purchased in the past. So, and I don't know, I have, I could go it look at it. It makes like a $5 difference. Well, it, it's, <laughs> After it's, fees. A, it's a, yeah, so it's a 5% difference We saved overall. like $125. It's 40% off the tickets retail price. So for us, because it right, was. Right, but the, they already had the discount on there. No, that, that, the extra code, the thank you code was an extra 5% on top of that. Right. So it's right. 40%, but. I know. It was $91 for the gold after the thank you code. Yeah, it was like 171 yeah. on the, the VIP. And I, however, it is worth mentioning that, uh, that ticket price <laughs> still comes with a shit ton of service fees. <laughs> so, I know. It's yeah. Dumb. So it does come with a shit ton of service fees. Um, I don't know if they've gone through. So they can buy paper. Yeah, through the first thousand. Well, it's not just that. It's also the Grotix taking their their 
chunk of it and everything else. So, uh, But get them now. You're going to save a ton of money if you buy them now. Also, speaking of tickets, just in case uh, people didn't see, uh, USANA is now a Ticketmaster only God damn location. It. They are no longer through Live Nation and Smith6. <sighs> I know. It's really irritating. <laughs> Ticketmaster is such a fucking shithole racket. I really hate Ticketmaster. Yeah. That was a lot. That was announced last week. Live Nation. Week. Live Nation's not much better, by the way. No, I know it's not. But USANA was still operating through Smith, so. Yeah, Smith Ticks was a great place, but Ticketmaster's such a fucking ripoff. That's why so many that's why so many big names are like, we'll just sell our own tickets because Ticketmaster's a pile of shit. Because they charge like this ticket I want to be twenty bucks. They're charging my people forty because they're tacking on a one hundred percent service fee. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing that a lot. It's ridiculous. For a service that's not that difficult to fucking run yourself. Yeah. So I I uh Yeah. Should, should we talk about events since we were talking about <laughs> Fanex? Sure. sure. Sure, sure, sure. That's, by the way, that is uh, September 17th through the 19th of 2020. So you got time. There is no spring show. Thank God. Oh, I think 2020. Wow. I think if they did a spring show, they would probably lose their ass. Based on the attendance of the last two, and I'm sure like they probably did okay in terms of like not losing their ass, but... I'm pretty sure they're not making much money. I still stand by that they they probably drug it out as long as they could financially, but I still stand by the fact I think that as soon as they knew that there was a problem with the name Comic Con, they started Vanex, they got that name out there, they got people familiar with it because we had it for years, and then when they switched there wasn't this big well, is it a different thing? Is it a different place? People are familiar enough with it that they switched without even thinking about it. And so now, so I'm sure that they kept the two years just so they could make a little more money, but I'm sure that they planned all along. Okay. As soon as we hit this, this almost break even threshold thing that, you know, I'm sure they had some threshold. That's the last year we're going to do it. So events. Yes. I have some events this weekend. Uh, the 8th to the 9th is that our installation down at the gateway and it's uh, Illuminate Utah and it's just like a big art installation, a bunch of different artists hmm. and it's a free event. It's from 5 to 10 because it has to be dark outside. So that will be awesome. Folk Hogan is playing at the Green Pig Pub on the 8th at I think 9 o'clock. I don't know why I didn't write down the time but... um I lost my other piece of paper. Also this weekend, the uh, Navajo rug sale up at Deer Valley for the Adopt a Native Elder, which is one of my favorite organizations in Utah. Then next week, um, I, I found this event and it's through the Natural History Museum. I really think that I want to pay the money to go do this. They're doing a behind the scenes um, event on the 16th and 17th. It's between 10 and $15, just depending upon how old you are. You know, it's like kids are 10 bucks and adults are 15. And there, you can talk to scientists that are there. You can look at some of the exhibits that they have. Um, like basically they're like storing behind the scenes. Um, I said that was really, really cool. That's what a lot of people don't know about museums. Like for all the stuff they have out on display, they usually have like archaeologists and scientists and curators in the back working all the time restoring priceless artifacts and and historical items. So that would be a super cool event. And then 
uh, the 13th, I thought this was going to be a little bit fun just because it reminded me of fall and winter, but Clever Octopus is doing a wool dryer ball class. So it's $25 and they'll give you the supplies and you can make your wool dryer balls. So that's cool, I thought. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, November's trans... Uh, awareness month and I noticed today that Moody and Lazies have a box at their restaurant which is Night South and Jefferson and they are collecting clothing so like lightly used clothing uh, for the community so that's really awesome if you have extra clothes and they're sitting in your car and should be going to Savers or DI just take them down there so <laughs> um, and one final thing do you thing. have a bunch of clothes sitting in your car guys? <laughs> uh, I think I took them out of the car. I don't remember. I did for a mixed, really long time. Have they been mixed with Ron's clothes in the basement? No. Uh, you don't want to. No. Don't Nobody let those touch. That. That's like he sent me the, the most random text over the weekend. Like, I've been on vacation a lot over the last year. And he sent me texts. He's like, do you want me to water the plants? And I was like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have one plant that's sitting by the door, which, by the way, I have officially kept alive for 11 months. That Thank is, you very much. I think if I get past three, I'm in. I'm impressed with myself. Uh, likewise, likewise. Anyways, I just thought it was really funny. Um, so the 23rd of November is the lighting at Temple Square. And the only reason that I wanted to bring it up, besides it's a huge thing in Salt Lake, this is the last year for four years that the whole entire um, square will be lit up. Because as of December 29th, part of it will be closed for construction and this is this is actually something a lot of our guests have said for their one thing is yeah. temple square and the mm-hmm. temple square lights is a, yep. is a thing you so they'll see. still they'll still have them over the next four years but there it'll be in like a limited space so, so you if you want to see it as a as a whole go get see down space there jesus go see space jesus they, do they hang christmas lights from him they should awesome like, put him around his feet so he like extra glows icicle lights through the <laughs> holes in his hands <laughs> I'm just saying. Then they should have a selfie booth that's like positioned perfectly. So you sit right there and get your selfie. That was so cool. Oh, man. You would get kicked out so goddamn fast. I better not spit coffee all over you again. They don't like uh, they don't like Space Jesus having selfies taken. No. Okay. That's all I have, though, for events. Uh, so I know like we haven't been doing a lot of heavy news stuff, but there's been some really cool shit going on um, and some weird shit going on in Salt Lake <laughs> that I think it's worth talking about. Um, so I wanted to, to talk about some of them. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is actually the, the, the sexting thing. Oh, yeah. uh, so in Park City, um, this is just going to be a cautionary tell for folks. I, I am, am still, Still somewhat surprised that people even do this, but, uh, the, there was a guy in Park City out of, I think a Verizon store in Park City. Yeah. Um, some lady gives him her phone because she's, uh, she's going to be. She wants to transfer. Doing, uh, she's changing her phone and she's going to be transferring all the files from one phone to the new phone. So the fact that someone, like, is like, oh, yeah, I'll just hand you my old phone with all my shit and let you transfer it into my new stuff. And then she's like, uh, and I'll come back. I got to go pick up my kid. I got to go do something, something, so I'll come back and get it. Like, in theory, you should be able to trust that person, right? Well, one, don't do that. That 18-year-old total stranger, he's trustworthy. Yeah, that dude that works for the Verizon, like, cellular store, I, sorry, 
wouldn't trust them. It's not you know like so. Like the last few phones I've had when I've gone in to have them transfer because that was the way they did it back in the day. Yeah, they say they they download that app on both phones and then they they do it while you're sitting there and it transfers it like almost instantly. Yeah, it's really fast. And, and but in this case, in this particular case, uh, she leaves it with this kid, and of course, the next thing that strikes me is she has. Lewd pictures of herself on the phone, which, okay, that happens. People take pictures of themselves and send them to people. It's a, you're, you're perfectly okay to do that. If you're over the age of 18, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can take pictures of your junk and of your boobies <laughs> and of your vagina and send it to other people. That's totally who are welcome to who also need to be. Yeah. Welcome recipients that are also over the age of 18. Let's, let's be clear here. But. Why would you fucking hand your phone that's got that stuff on it to some kid at the Verizon store? So this lady, while what she did, nothing she did was wrong. It was stupid in both cases. Now, this kid proceeds to text himself some pictures <laughs> from her phone and transfers her data. But then she realizes, oh, hey, I sent some texts because a lot of phones now tie your texts to your uh, computer. So, like, if you have an iPhone and a Mac... All your texts can be and on your, your computer iPad and, and your iPad. Yeah, and so she gets home and she's like, hey, who's this number that I sent these? What? Why did I send my nudies to some <laughs> random number? I don't know. <laughs> Turns out it was this kid that worked at the Verizon store. Uh, he has been arrested. Uh, <laughs> he is being charged with a, a handful of crimes. But this is, should just be a lesson to everyone. Don't fucking hand. Don't your forget phone that off. you took the photos. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't them. forget there's stuff on your phone like that. Uh, probably don't save it on your phone. I mean, I don't know. Whatever she's doing, maybe she's sending those pictures to a lot of people. I mean, <laughs> maybe, casting agent. Maybe it's part of her Tinder profile. I don't know uh, what's on her Twitter account. Um, <laughs> now that Tumblr doesn't exist anymore. But but seriously, maybe she's using MySpace. <laughs> just a cautionary tell maybe you ought to maybe you ought to be a little bit more careful is all i'm saying uh okay so that was kind of a funny story um but i i want to talk about a few uh other things so uh really kind of cool thing that happened um the huntsman cancer institute um everyone's well aware in the huntsman family um well we've talked a lot over the last couple of years about the state of mental health in this state uh, and in general, but, you know, suicide prevention, things like that. Well, the Huntsman family uh, just pledged $150 million to the University of Utah to establish a new mental health institute uh, that will be called the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. So similar to the Huntsman Cancer Institute, which is a groundbreaking cancer research mecca, uh, there's now going to be a mental health institute up at the university that they're funding uh, to to really spend some dollars on mental health. I think it says a lot that the president used the word transformational. Like that just is incredible to me. Um, they said that it's also a historical amount. Yeah, $150 million donation to a university to hopefully they don't have any kids on a rowing team. Um, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> None of her grandbabies are on a rowing team. I'd hate for some weird stuff to happen. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, read the fucking news, people. Um, I, 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 it is a fantastic gift. Now, the University of Utah, uh, uni, the Neuropsychiatric Institute, um, the U is actually already seen as kind of a big player in the mental health space, especially in the Intermountain region. This really completely changes things. Well, it will help with training um, for professionals just because they there is definitely a shortage. Um, 
And it'll also, they're saying that a recent survey says that one in five Utah adults are experiencing poor mental health. I believe it. Well, if you, if you look at a lot of recent studies, like our exposure in the information age, uh, between social media, having a, a computer in your pocket that has direct access to the news 24 seven. But think about also like the research that the Huntsman Institute has done and the research that they can do. Like they did a lot of like linking of genetics and cancer. Yeah. Like think about the linking that they can do for genetics and mental health. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that this $150 million gift is, well, is going to do. And not all mental health is depression. That's that's typically well, what people sure. think about is depression. No. But there's a whole lot more to it. There's tons. Anxieties. Bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. schizophrenia. There, there are, you know, multiple personality disorder. There are tons of mental yeah. health issues that are not depression. Yeah. Depression is a very serious one, but there's tons of other stuff. Anorexia, bulimia, those are mental health problems. And to, to be able to actually start studying them in depth to find solutions and not just sweep it under the rug, that's big. That's yeah. Or medicate. Yeah. Right. Or if right. medication's the answer, what medication's the right answer? Because think about kids with ADD. That, that diagnosis is so fucking overused in this country. Still, today. We think My we dad is, in, is 63, and he just told me last weekend that he is now on Adderall. And he said it has changed his days, which is great. <laughs> like, that's incredible. But, you know, that's how long did it take for him to have that conversation with his doctor? Yeah. Yeah. But how many people have that conversation with their doctor just to get Adderall to? No, for sure. <laughs> and that, that has been one of his biggest, but there's like, no, but there's no yeah. place. There's no place when people have that conversation with their doctor for the doctor to be like, you're full of shit. That's not really how you are. Right. Right. And hopefully this will be like a very safe place for people, really great doctors and researchers. And being able to identify like the true signs of that and how to mm -hmm. weed out the people that are just saying it to get Adderall versus the ones that really have a condition. I'm excited for it. I think it's fucking awesome. I, I don't know of another giant gift like that that exists uh, in the mental health space. That is really It'll be cool. fucking unbelievable. Uh, the article, did the article say how long like this process will take? Because I assume that they'll want to build a new building and make sure that proper training happens and so on. I didn't see it in there. but Yeah, I didn't see it when I was reading. I was kind of going back through here, but... It'll take time. It's not like overnight, but it's it's monumental. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, the Salt Lake Tribune, <laughs> the failing, um, completely fucked Salt Lake Tribune that has been mismanaged for years and years and years. If you'd like to hear one of my tirades on it, uh, listen to one of our past episodes. Just search <laughs> our episode library for Chris rants about Salt Lake Tribune because uh, there's a few of them. Did you put that in the show notes? Is that searchable? Uh, I'm sure Salt Lake <laughs> Tribune and stuff like that are in there because I have talked a lot of shit because I think they've been mismanaged for years. Yes. Um, the, the fact that they were able to combine with their number one competitor in a contract that basically fucking gutted the entire company and then they well, just shit them out like after they were done getting them. It makes them. sense and so does this. They're now non-profit but so is the company that owns them. Yeah, so it, it that's a big deal. Uh, so it's a, a, <laughs> a newspaper organization that is now going to be considered a non-profit. To get that approval federally is, is a big deal to go from a for-profit to a non-profit company. Um, that... But their 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 mother company has the money to make that happen. 
the LDS Mother Church. Company. The LDS Church owns it. Uh, do but they I don't still? Think... I thought they broke that up and made them sell it. No, I'm pretty sure they still own it. But even then, I don't, I think, don't so. think that that matters. Like, the hospitals are all for profit, and... I, and, and the Deseret News, the Deseret News is not is not nonprofit. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. They, it's um. Thought the Huntsman's got involved. Yeah, the like. Huntsman's on it. In 2016, the Huntsman Family Investments bought the Salt Lake Tribune, Tribune because it was owned by um, some weird Denver-based bullshit conglomerate that owned the, the Deseret News, and that's the gutting that I was talking about. And in 2016, the Huntsman's bought it, uh, so the Huntsman's own it, and now it is a nonprofit organization, which is fantastic. Basically, it just means that because they're not looking to be profitable, they don't have to worry as much about ad dollars maybe they can actually hire real writers they're as a nonprofit they can still charge a subscription uh but they can't have profits at the end of the year so any money that they make they put back into the tribune which which is great maybe it means they're going to be able to hire writers back because they've laid off they basically have four people on staff now, I think. <laughs> and one of them is the janitor, and the other one's the lady at the front desk. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if the City Weekly has more paid uh, writers than Salt Lake Tribune. Well, when we had point. Enrique here, he said that, that they they took on as many of the, the Tribune people as they could. Yeah, because they laid off almost all of their staff. It was really sad. And their website still sucks, guys. Your website's still dumb. The paywall's so easy to get around. And But maybe they'll take that up. Now that they're not trying to be profitable. I, I hope so. The it's, paywall is a really bad... because they've hired a 14-year-old kid to run their website. Okay, look, there there are sites out no, there... No, they'd probably have a better job done if they'd hired a 14-year-old kid. So, for example, there's a, there's a very popular... Uh, the Athletic is a very popular sports, uh, uh, sports journalism website. Kind of like ESPN, but more in-depth articles. Real journalism. That whole thing is behind a paywall. You have to subscribe to it in order to read it. That's the kind of publication that you 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 would subscribe to because you want in-depth articles about sports, something that you care about that maybe you don't get elsewhere. Now, the surface stuff, the top-end stuff, comes out of The Athletic and other people report on it, and it's not behind a paywall and you see it. Uh, the Tribune is a different kind of animal. It's a public news source. They're competing with KSL, KUTV, Fox 13, Deseret News, City Weekly in some respects. They're competing with, uh, who's the other local station? KUTV, KSL, Fox, and the other one. The other one that no one talks about. KTVX. I don't know. <laughs> Channel 4. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's five other news organizations plus all the local media stations like the radio stations. Plus you have national news and you have the Associated well, and Press. And you have great newspapers like Ogden and. Yeah, the Standard Examiner and the Daily Herald. And that's what you're competing with to put your stuff behind a paywall and to publicly be seen getting rid of all your writers. Why the fuck would anyone pay for that? <laughs> Why would you pay for a subscription to a news media outlet that doesn't have any money that is competing with a whole bunch of other free sources of the exact same news. And so they've, they've started to figure it out. They partnered with Fox 13 to get some stories, which KSL did with Deseret News forever ago. And so they start to get more clicks that way. Anyway, I think this is a really good move for them. I really hope that it, it helps turn that organization around. Hopefully uh, it improves. Hopefully. I'm not 100% convinced it will. <laughs> uh, what's... What's this? 
National Nacho Day? Scarf down epic nachos and celebrate National Nacho Day. Tomorrow. Wednesday the 6th. Wednesday. Wednesday the 6th. So probably when you are all listening to this. You should go eat nachos. What are we doing tomorrow, babe? National Nacho Day. And just going to Porcupine Grill to eat nachos. Just pointed out that the picture they used in the article was one of hers. Which picture? On the back. The one of not nachos. The desserts. Well, she writes about the Porcupine Grill, too. So this is from Catherine Armstrong right, of friend, Only we've had on the show. Only in, in Utah. Utah. Not and, only in Utah. Uh, not only in Utah. Never in Utah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, she decided to go have nachos, the best nachos in the state, which they really and are super delicious, The by best the way. nachos in the state are made right here at the Birchworths. And the reason they are because they layer them there as for a restaurant that's, that is unheard of. It's like perfectly layered. So is it when you say layered, is there melted cheese and toppings in every layer? Yep. So they don't just throw a bunch of chips nope. on, some soups of some shit and throw it under a salamander. Nope. So what they they're actually... probably doing is cooking them flat. This is a trick. I'm gonna give you guys an all inside baseball <laughs> secret to layered nachos, the best layered nachos. To layered. So you get a cookie sheet, uh, and you put your nachos on the cookie sheet. Take the time if you're making nachos at home. <laughs> To, to get stuff on every chip. That's the most important piece. Because usually they, you got the layer on the top. Once that's gone, it's nothing it's but just dried chips. chips. Yeah. But if you lay it out flat on a cookie sheet and, and you get stuff on every chip, including cheese and meat and beans and whatever other toppings you're going to do, warm toppings only, uh, uh, then you cook that in the broiler, you get it melted. When you pull it off, if you want good layered nachos... You take your spatula, you pull chips off, and then you put more on top of that and more on top of that. Yes. So you take those already melted chips and That's... you layer them together, and now every chip has stuff on it, and it's spectacular. Nice. And you don't end up with a soggy mess at the bottom either. They're so crispy because you're using not like crappy cheese sauce with watered down stuff. However, cheese sauce is still good on nachos. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but National Nacho Day, now all I want to do is make nachos. It sounds delicious. And I'm fasting today, uh, so I've had nothing to eat all day, and now I'm really hungry. <laughs> and then I bring this article in. <laughs> well, with us this week is uh, Michelle Miller, who is, um, you're with the Pioneer Park Coalition, but what's your actual title with them, Michelle? Well, that's funny. We just uh, we just went through a change, decided to give me a new title, and it's the Administrative Director. Administrative Director. Mm-hmm. That seems very administrative. That's what I <laughs> that seems very general so that they can just make you do whatever they want you to do. Yeah, basically. That's pretty much what I do. So, Because I think on the it. site when I was looking, you were like the head of marketing and PR or something. No, I don't know. The communications director was my my old title. Are you the only like formal employed person at the Pioneer Park Coalition? Because it's mostly made up of a bunch of board members essentially, right? We do have a very active board. We've got about 16 board members. We just got David Ibarra on our board, which is awesome. He's cool. He is a very smart dude. Indeed. So we we thought that would be a good consolation to losing the mayoral race. (laughs) 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 But I am the one and only full-time employee. We've got some really awesome interns from BYU and the University of Utah, but I am the 
So the glue. So you sit at the front desk. You empty the garbages at the end of the evening. <laughs> I actually Sweet. I get to work remote, which is awesome. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't probably have your own space, really, do you guys? We do. We have an apartment across from uh, Pioneer Park, but. Why would I go downtown when I can do exactly the same thing from my house? Well, especially you mentioned that you have a sweet new child. I do. So that's got to make so wait, it a wait. little easier. Are you on saying you? you don't even want to work where you're trying to fix? Is that <laughs> what? <laughs> Driving from West Jordan to Salt Lake? Yeah, I do brutal. it every. I work so on you know. fourth, so south, you know and how fourth brutal east. It is. So yeah. you know, I get to hang out in my pajamas and look like a scumbag all day. So it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't tell. My boss. <laughs> I drive from here to Fourth South and Fourth East every day. Yeah. yeah, so you wouldn't if you couldn't if you didn't have if to. If I didn't right? have to, I wouldn't. Exactly. No, I hate commuting to work. It's the worst, especially after having worked from home for so long. It's brutal now to even commute fifteen minutes. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I hate traffic. Yeah, my normal commute to work isn't isn't too bad. Getting there isn't awful unless the weather's bad or it's but, eight o'clock in the morning. Well, I usually go in about seven thirty, so it's not awful. But ugh. It doesn't matter what time I leave home mm-hmm. anymore or from work anymore. Unless I'm leaving like before three, mm-hmm. it, it's like my commute today. I actually took a picture of it because it was kind of funny. It was like it said only getting worse. on my, So I Google map it every day to Me find too. out where accents see. <laughs> Another person that does because it just makes sense. There's so many different ways to get from downtown Salt Lake. And once it you're literally, in it, you're in it. Yeah, it said fastest route now due to traffic conditions, but it's getting worse. Like, that's literally what Google Maps says this morning, or this afternoon. That is so awesome. And it was my option for 31 minutes, 35 minutes, or 41 minutes. So, not actually not too too bad. I was leaving at about 4.30, so not not awful for a 4.30 commute, but some people are like, Jeremy, he, he just walks down his stairs. That's right. So for him, like, I'm sure to him, he's like, I'd hate to have to do that every day. And when I have meetings, I, I plan them during the day when like traffic. after nine o'clock yep. and back before and no later than yep. three. Yeah. Like I said, if you, if I leave before three, it's fine. Anytime after three, it might as well be five. It's just a parking lot. But just don't leave at 502. So outside of like, <laughs> you know, traveling downtown to get to your guys' office, what is Pioneer Park Coalition? I mean, Pioneer Park is this park full of homeless people. Uh, and then on the weekends, it transforms into a farmer's market. Yeah. But other than that, like, what, what is Pioneer Park Coalition? So that's a good question. That's the question that I asked for a couple months when I got this job. <laughs> what do we actually do? And I think the best way to describe what we do, we are a watchdog group. We are very active in the legislative session. Um, Scott Howell is one of our board members. He's a two-time former state senator. We've got rep- representative... No, we don't. We've got Greg Hughes. Yeah, also former. <laughs> so wait, former uh, now, of the house. Now what I'm hearing is if you join the Pioneer Park Coalition, you no longer can be part of the legislature. It's true. <laughs> we steal them. We taint them. <laughs> but or we, maybe they're so they're so hyperactive in wanting this stuff to work that they stop being a legislature to lobby. <laughs> Ooh, we you could call us. Well, I don't know if you can legally call us a lobby. No. Group. I would not say that. <laughs> We've got a 501c3 we've got to watch out for. <laughs> but now we're an advocacy group. We're a watchdog group. We People come to us, surprisingly, when they don't feel that they can get 
something done. We get things done. And that's, that's the best way I can describe Pioneer Park Coalition. When you say things, like what's the first one that comes to your mind that you guys have been successful with? Um, the park, getting the lighting, getting the new walkway, getting the, the great lawn. Great. Doesn't it? It's so pretty. I drove by it today because I was downtown for a meeting and it was pristine and it looks like it could be the gem of the urban downtown that we so need. It looks, it looks a little bit better right now than, than like Liberty Park, which is usually like the big thing. Everybody's like the pond and the blah, blah, blah. Like it's just so. You know what nice it's missing right though? It's missing drug infused bathrooms in the center of the park. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually we worked to get the porta potties taken off the the corner there because oh. they were a big drug trade prostitution central. So that was who would have thought porta potties would be so political? Well, it I took mean, us months well, to get those moved. I'm I'm not surprised though because the the space has to have bathrooms. That's, Does it? That's part of code, Why? right? To have bathrooms and a space. It's an outdoor space, like space. In the winter, Liberty Park, all the other parks didn't They're have public restrooms. Yeah. They did not have porta potties. Yeah, I don't know why you would have to have a bathroom. But in the summer, they all have bathrooms that are accessible, right? At Pioneer Park? Probably yeah. just because of well, the Well, Pioneer Park does because of the market. The market. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the, Bathrooms that were there got torn down because they were just a public health. Oh, they were nuisance. horrible. That's what the train used to be for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the playground, or the basketball court, <laughs> or a tree, <laughs> or a bush. But uh, sorry, <laughs> my train coming <laughs> through. Her. Potty talk. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, oh my god, I can't believe someone remembers the train. <laughs> Oh, I remember the train. <laughs> He's mentioned it before but on this podcast. Let's be clear. Like I, I've said before, anytime there is a train at a public park, even in the small 12,000-person town I grew up in, it was a toilet. <laughs> People climbed in it and took dumps in it. I just don't understand that. That is just so foreign to me. When you got to go, you got to go. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's just it. We we did some research on the restroom issue around Pioneer Park because that was the pushback that we got were, was people needed a place to use the restroom, which we don't disagree with. But you've got Fourth Street Clinic right there. You've got the Rescue Mission right there. You've got the Road Home right there. You've got the Portland Loos, which cost the city $350,000 each. And there's two. There are plenty of places for people to use the restroom. There's also, by the way, if you've ever been to Pioneer Park, lots of trees. <laughs> well, and, and they do get used. By let's the let's be honest. We're talking about homeless people using the restroom because there's Gateway right there, too. And if you're there and you're patronizing Gateway, there's restrooms in Gateway. Now the homeless people go to the Gateway restrooms, too. But so. what I'm saying is I think people are arguing about like restrooms for homeless people to use. And the problem with that is there's no skin in the game for them. So they're not taking care of them. We have tons of homeless people. I'm not going to, I don't want to ba- like be bagging on them, but that's kind of the problem with it is that there's no skin in the game. So they're, they're not taking care of them. It's not like they go in the bathroom and, Oh, whoops, I made a little mess. Let me clean that up. They're not doing that. No, they and go so, have sex and shoot up. And so, <laughs> You, I mean, normal people, you, we have problems with bathrooms everywhere. I mean, think about it. You go into the mall, mm. women's restrooms are just gross. Oh, God, women are disgusting. Yes, they yeah, are. Been to a so stadium. add on top of that, like people who are just 
inherently just not taking care of things. I, I just can't imagine like the fight <laughs> that you were going through to try and take something away that was more of a hazard, more of a problem than really a help. And having people just say, well, why do you have to have somewhere to go to the bathroom? Well, yeah, there's tons of places. To there to are the tons of places. And what's interesting is in the news recently, a couple of days ago, uh, there was a story about a woman who was arrested who was running a drug ring out of those very restrooms. <laughs> her son was, and she got, she got popped because she, he was dictating to her from jail where to go, who to talk to. And wow. she logged into his Snapchat and it's, she works, worked, hopefully <laughs> past tense for advantage services who Oh, monitor man. the restrooms. That's so terrible. So, so she's clearly not going to have a problem with people doing things in the restrooms because she doesn't have she's to. She's a part of it. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, <laughs> I, I actually want to talk about that. So not, not the restrooms, but what went on in the restrooms because that's, and, and in general, what you just said, the, the drug problem, the, the prostitution problem that existed, um, or exists. So, it's no mystery that the Rio Grande area, the Pioneer Park area, was a cesspool for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, we talked about that street that's that's back there that, you know, that they would say, just don't, unless you're going back there for something, you, you just should stay away from yeah, it. Rio, Rio Grande. Grande Street. Yeah, yeah, Rio Grande Street. Is that actually, okay, I wasn't sure which street. Rio so. Grande Street in Fifth West. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to misspeak, so, it, but yeah. That that whole area progressively got worse. Now there there were some key reasons. One is if you build a homeless shelter, that's the only homeless shelter only homeless shelter in town, and it houses what fifteen hundred to two thousand people. Uh, Eleven hundred. That's how many beds they have, right? But don't they can't they? That's s- maximum capacity. That's max capacity mm-hmm. on the floors. But it was. I mean, that's it. There's no other place, right? That's it. Well, and it was a draw for people preying on. Well, so then you have 1,100 homeless people showing up there every day, and probably a lot more than that, especially when, you know, in the winter is way worse than in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have 12, 13, 14, 15, 2,000 people in that area. I still think that's an overestimation. Um, in our meeting with DWS this morning, they said last year, uh, last year's numbers was 844, and uh, 2017's numbers were 844. And in 2018, it was 884. Is that that on average for bed usage? That was their peak. That's huh? their peak for bed usage. Mm-hmm. That seems really low to me. Well, you have to, and that's you know that's what we're dealing with right now with this capacity crisis. And I use quotation marks there. Since Operation Rio Grande, there have been so many treatment, almost a thousand, almost a thousand mental health and treatment drug treatment beds that have been brought online. And that's when people are crying about the capacity issues. These resource centers were not meant to be the end all. No. We no. want to get people in and out and divert them. Well, and that's how the road home was established. That's, that's the road home's been the road home's mission is not just to house people, but to get them on their feet and get them somewhere else. But I think when you stick that many people in that one space, it's going to breed problems. Well, it, well, I had heard it, it, that people were being preyed upon. So like, Absolutely. you're a homeless person, you're addicted to drugs. Instead of 
having people who are homeless go to the drug dealers. The drug dealers just set up shop down there. Absolutely. And that's exactly what was happening where the drug cartels, the Hondurans and the Mexicans, they had a racket down there. And, you know, I've met with somebody who got, it was the first arrest, actually. Young kid, maybe 20. His name's Austin. He was the first arrest in Operation Rio Grande, and he was a mule for the cartels because he was a freshie. He was a fresh face down there. They saw that, recognized it, and preyed upon him. And it's not just the homeless people that were down. The problem is they set up shop down there, these cartels, and that brings in everyone and their dog. If you wanted to buy drugs, you could just go down to Rio Grande and within five minutes have whatever you want. It's always been that way. I mean, I'm going to out myself, but since the 90s, you know, we would go down to the club down there and that's where you got your Coke. Yep. Period. Absolutely. So we actually encroached on them. It wasn't the other way around. That was an industrial area and there was nothing down there. I used to work in the the building right at the corner of Gateway on 3rd South and... Gosh, I don't even know what it is. You can see the St. Vincent de Paul Soup Kitchen from it. Um, but I used to work in that building when there was nothing. You could like look all the way to the freeway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see the soup kitchen. You could see the train tracks. You could see all of that stuff. And they used to use the fire hydrant right there for they'd people would put money in and then they'd come by and they'd drop drugs in and then they'd come pick up the drugs and and that and there was nothing beyond that. Mm-mm. Like that was it. There were no more other buildings past there. And we went over there and we built a shopping center. And mm-hmm. then we were like, gee, I wonder why the homeless people are were trying to sleep <laughs> in the parking garage. Well, gee, you just built them a house. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Don't look at me like that. It's true. <laughs> I used to, I've, I've, I know you work. I there. haven't always worked downtown, but I've, I've worked a lot downtown because I worked there as my first job. I worked in the ambassador building for a while and now I lit, I work in, on fourth south and fourth east, um, right behind the police station. So it's, it's, I'm further away from that centralized area, but I worked there forever. My dad worked in that company for like 35 years or something. So I was very familiar with that area. And so I never, realized that it was a bad place to be because my dad worked there mm-hmm. until I got older and realized this is kind of sketchy. <laughs> like this is, this is, it's probably not safe for me as this, you know, 16, 17 year old kid to just yeah. be walking around out here. But I'd never thought about it as being scary. And well, now that when you're mall, 16 and 17, nothing's right. scary. You're and now invincible. that the mall's there, people don't think about, well, it's small. I should be safe. Well, it's also, you're also right across the street from St. Vincent de Paul's soup kitchen. You know, and I don't, like I said, I don't want to bag on the homeless people because everybody's got their it. bad crap, but. I'll bag on them. <laughs> <laughs> but even, you don't even, I mean, you just don't even want to be panhandled. Like, honestly, I don't want to be panhandled. You know, I think that the homeless and the panhandlers are two different yes, they groups. Are. Oh, for sure. But they, they, again, like drug people, they're, they go down there and they pretend to be part of that population. It's true. I mean, it's an easy, especially pre-August 2017. I mean, it was, I don't know if you, any of you went down there, but it was, it was brutal. Skid Row. It was like, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was gnarly and it wasn't a place that you wanted to go. And I think first August 17th, 2017 versus today, it's a night and day difference and residents, business owners, Property owners are all very grateful for Operation Rio Grande. So, you, you guys had a big hand in Operation Rio Grande occurring, the we Pioneer did. Park Coalition. So, 
one of the effects of Operation Rio Grande is the crime doesn't just stop, Mm-mm. right? You know, you, it's the thing you kill, you know, take out one drug dealer, two pop up in their place. So while you cleaned up Pioneer Park, one of the big concerns was all that did was push the homeless population and the crime into other parts of the city. So now where... Uh, truthfully, the the Fair Park area had been getting better. It's now horrendous over there. And some of that is that the people from Pioneer Park have been pushed over into that area. So is is the Pioneer Park Coalition, do you guys reach outside of just that one area? And, and are you looking at like, well, how do we now, you know, establish because... We did Operation Rio Grande. We had this extended police presence. We made all these arrests. We made a big show of it. We continued trying to get people help that needed help and prosecute the people that really should have been prosecuted. Um, but now that crime and that, that movement has moved away from the Rio Grande area and into these other neighborhoods. Are you trying to sort of do the same thing in these other neighborhoods? Um, not directly like i said i'm the only employee so <laughs> she's like out there busting butts well no I mean, my point is she's like got her baby on her back she's like out of here the way a lot of people see it and the way it reads like when you read editorials and you read some of the, of the pieces in the news the pioneer park coalition from an outsider looks like a bunch of people with money that want to develop and gentrify mm-hmm. an area and don't give a shit about what happens to other neighborhoods as a result of that change and so I'm curious, is that really the case? Is the Pioneer Park Coalition just focused on that one small part of Salt Lake City, or are you looking at the broader effects throughout the rest of the city and the county? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, let me set the record straight right now. Yes, we do have a lot of people with money on our board. They are not interested in developing the area. That has never, ever been on the table. Um we are interested primarily in Pioneer Park, that, you know, a couple, that 10 acres. But we do have to deal with the more systemic issue of homelessness. And that's where we kind of go out into the community. And that's when I said people come to us to, to, with problems because we get things done. We attend every, I mean, I could go to a meeting every single day. There are so <laughs> many yes, meetings. And if, People think that people aren't doing anything and sitting around and doing nothing about this issue. They couldn't be more wrong because there are so many hands on deck, but it is such no person has the same story and not one solution is going to work for all people. And so it's a very difficult, delicate situation. And we have to take that into account. And if you're having problems on North Temple... What, what are we going to do about it? You need to call the cops. I mean, the Salt Lake City PD, my husband works for them. They have been directed to be hands-off in this. They've they've been really great. I think that they handle the homeless population really great. So we have like a little indentation in our front. And we came into work one day and, I don't know, 10, maybe 10 homeless people had decided they were going to camp in there. And so they moved out to the park strip. Now the park strip is public property. Mm -hmm. And so technically they could, they could be there. Mm -hmm. I think the cops handled it. Well, they sent out a bunch of people. They're like, look, we see who you are. We know you because we see you all the time. If you guys move over 
to Library Square or something, we won't bug you for the next, I don't know, it's like 48 hours or something because this is a business and you have every right to be here right now. It's daytime. You've put away all of your camping gear and you're technically just sitting here, but it, it, it impacts the business, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that was handled in a great way. I, I think that everybody gets a bad rap. Everybody wants, nobody wants the homeless in their neighborhoods. Nobody wants them anywhere around. And so we just keep kicking them out everywhere. But homeless people are, they're, they're everywhere and they're not going to go away no, ever. No, no. And to say we can solve homelessness, homelessness is erroneous. <laughs> and, <laughs> but we can get it to a functional zero. And that is what we are trying to achieve. There's always going to be those who are service resistant. I mean, mm-hmm. Scott, my boss, met a woman the other day who was service resistant, who has had the world given to her by her parents. And she does not want it. She likes the lifestyle. She wants to be in that life. What can you do? My brother was exactly the same way. Yep. If yeah. my brother didn't have my parents, he would have been that way as well. He's dead now. But if he wouldn't have had my parents, he would have been on the street. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, your brother lived on the streets for like a week when he was a kid. Because, uh, more than a week. Because he didn't. He, <laughs> he lived in Reno on his own for for a couple of months. Like as a teenager, just there are just some people that that prefer that, and so we're going to have that. But we have to recognize that it's almost. It's almost their own. It, it is. It's not almost. It is their own society. And we can't just keep saying you can't be in our society. We have to well, figure out ways to work with them. I think in a way they're excluding themselves from society. Yeah. And I can't imagine what it's like to be homeless oh. and not have somebody look you in the eye and talk to you like a human being. They see you only as a hand out. Mm-hmm. That's got to be mentally wearing on you, but they exclude themselves from society by not participating in the norm, but not participating in what makes society function. But how are they any different from people that want to live off the grid? They just don't have the means to be off the grid. People who live off the grid don't live off the state. Mm. Yeah, they typically become (laughs) self-sustaining somehow. Let let me ask you, let me ask you this. I do want to talk a lot about the park um, and and plans for the park. So Operation Rio Grande happens um, and the road home is closing. It's got what? Just a couple more weeks left before they close their doors. Um, to clarify, the downtown shelter is yeah. closing. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. So the road home, I went to the ribbon cutting today at the South Salt Lake shelter. It's beautiful. Where is that now? It's 3380 West, one. 3380 South, 1000 West. Okay. So uh, they, I think, got their 30-day eviction notice. I say that kind of jokingly. Today. <laughs> and they are planning on transitioning clients this month. Yeah. It, it, so post-Thanksgiving, that the old shelter will close. Correct. So, and I think it's, I really think that approach has been a really genius way to, to do it. Uh, to, to spread out the services and separate the shelters into uh, different service-oriented shelters for, for specific needs so they can better serve that population. Uh, like Bree said, I, 
you know, when they were trying to find locations in the county for these shelters, everyone was like, yeah, that's a terrible thing down going, going on down at the Rio Grande area. Mm-hmm. We need to break that up. Oh no, don't, don't put one in Draper. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't, don't put one in Well, and in I Sandy. admitted with teenage daughters, like, would it suck to have one like right on the corner? 100%. Yeah, it, it would. But at the same time, if we spread the burden of caring for the homeless throughout different cities and different populations, it helps us carry the burden. Well, and think about this. If you have a family center that's got 150 beds, let's say, in the middle of a neighborhood, probably never even know it was a homeless shelter unless you were right next to it. Well, I mean, when you look at the in-between in Sugar House, yeah. <laughs> they might say Isn't that something the one different. That, that they were, I think that was the one they were fighting about was next to like a karate studio or something. Is that something. the one on like Simpson? Um, I'm not sure the, the exact address, roughly. but... Like a bunch of sugar, whatever they're called, sugar house sites. <laughs> Sugarites or sugar <laughs> That's they, just because they're afraid of their property value. We just call that East Stabbington. And don't they deserve it to be? Right. But these people have a right to live. Yeah. And they have a right, as you know, in the case of the in-between, to die They've got to be serviced. They've got to be serviced somewhere. Yeah. Like, that's just... And like I said, everybody sh- deserves to share the burden. I um, was listening to somebody talk about uh, tax bases and money and all of that just goes right over my head, but never thought about it before how the, the tax revenue for Salt Lake City proper works and how really little they can get from some of the places because there's so many not-for-profits and companies that have tax breaks and things like that. And to have them kind of sheltering the largest burden of our homeless population, you know, it's kind of sucky. And while the East Siders, I say that as a West Sider, nobody ever wants to live out West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, My husband and I are dealing with that very issue right now. <laughs> I, mean, I like living out here. I've grown up here. I've lived out West my whole life and I've always just traveled everywhere. And so I'm comfortable out here, but, but I get it. Um, it's to some people it's, it's the, the far ends of the earth, but, the east side is is a tax base that can support it a little bit better. Like they've got a bigger tax base. That may be, but they've also got voters. Mm-hmm. True. And they have active voters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the tr- the trouble is, is out here we've got poor people. They're that are living in houses. They're not quite homeless, but they're super poor. They're not contributing to the tax base. So if you stick something out here, there's not as big of a tax base. So I get where they're like trying to put things in places where maybe financial support is there. But you also have to look at zoning laws, mm-hmm. right? Which are set up by the legislation and the people who and by the council members that yep. are living in those neighborhoods primarily. Yeah, and-, and that's you know that's partially why the new resource centers are the 200, 200, and three hundred bed capacity because in Salt Lake City proper. You only can have 200 uh, beds zoning, and South Salt Lake is 300. Yeah, I think it's better to have them split up. And this, by the way, everyone, is part of why we tell you to vote, even in off years. <laughs> I love you today. Because <laughs> these are the officials that you elect are the ones that make a lot of these particular decisions. Right. Because whether you agree with us or you don't agree with us, or maybe you have your own ideas or something like that, good. Go find somebody who supports those ideas and try and vote them in. Mm-hmm. But so going back to that, to Pioneer Park in, in, in specific, while the shelter there is closing in a month, the other 
primary services for the homeless population during the day between St. Vincent's Kitchen and the 4th Street Clinic, they're still right there. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really remove all the homeless population. What it does is make them have to travel a lot further to get to those services. It's it's the other way around. Uh, So 4th Street Clinic just unveiled a beautiful new mobile clinic. Oh, nice. So they can go between each resource center and I heard that the resource centers have a doctor on site a couple days oh, a week. Oh, that is so awesome. Wow. So it's actually going to lessen the burden of traveling around. When you're in that mindset of what am I going to eat? When am I going to sleep? What am I going to do today? It's hard to go to those appointments that you need to go to to get yourself out of the cycle. Yeah, well, and part of it is like, okay, how do I get from 21st and 7th East to downtown by eight so I can have breakfast yeah. and then to some other else where I can shower and then go to my interview and not look like a schlub carrying all my shit. It's hard enough for me and I've got a car and <laughs> most of my cognitive abilities. Exactly. So that's what is different about, we like to call it the new model versus the old model is this is wraparound service. Truly you've got employment people, you've got housing, you've got uh, the fourth street clinic and their mobile van. So everything is a one stop shop. Whereas before the old model, it was come in, here's your blanket, here's your pillow. Go across the street to eat. Yeah. Go across the street for medical care. So now people who are freezing to death on the street are Mm -hmm. literally choosing to freeze to death on the street. There's not a... I'm so glad you said that because that's something, that's the narrative that we have been trying to combat. I've been doing a lot of research to find out how many people are truly freezing right. to death on the street. And I have not been able to come up with one. <laughs> I saw one dead guy on the street a few weeks ago. But, but what did he, he die from? I don't think he froze to death. <laughs> it wasn't See? cold. I don't think it counted then, babe. But he was <laughs> he was clearly homeless and he was clearly dead. And is that it anything like he was probably that you could overdosed. get from the ME? And this is not... I, I, I don't want to sound callous at all. I don't want to see people passing away unattended outside on the street. That's horrible. But this narrative that people are freezing to death on the street and they're going to, more people are going to freeze to death on the street because the downtown shelter is closing is false. I I just, just to say why I mentioned it is I listened to one of my coworkers who's pretty active and her, her son is a recovering addict. That's finally, I think got himself on his feet and he actually started by working at um, the downtown shelter and that now he's moved into some private organizations and stuff, counseling, formerly homeless people slash drug addicts. Um, and she was talking about people freezing and I hadn't really heard a story specifically about it recently. And so I thought I've got to remember to mention that because <laughs> I didn't want to dispute her cause I don't have any I, facts, but I personally think we should continue saying people are freezing to death on the streets. Only so people will donate money to the organizations <laughs> that really need it to help help these people. Well, and because they, they do run on donations. It's true. And I would rather people donate to the organization who can uh, disseminate the money rather than giving homeless people blankets and burritos because that's doing nothing more than enabling them. Mm-hmm. And that's perpetuating the problem, whereas the service providers... 
they can decide where that money needs to go and they do need that money to operate. Also, they so how do you blankets? get those people that are doing that every week to maybe do a fundraiser instead of going down and I don't know. Let's that. put our heads together because <laughs> we got to, we got to curb. <laughs> people, people think that they're being kind and it gives and, them a warm fuzzy and yeah. I get it because I used to be that person. I absolutely was that person. And then I got into this position and I was like, Oh, that's not actually the best way to go about it. So how does that, so how do you start educating the, the public that that's not because, um, just to go back to the, just the term resource center, we talked about this on the podcast a long time ago when they had announced them, um, the difference between using that term versus the media who is like homeless shelters coming to your neighborhood soon, you know, had they not even used that term and just said, we're building resources. No one would watch their clips if they did that. <laughs> no, I know. I get that. No, I know it's sensationalism, mm-hmm. but you know, it really changes a perspective. So the knowledge that you're getting from being that warm, fuzzy person to, you know, knowing the actual facts of what does work, like how do you start creating an education system for the, the public? Basically, basically just like this, you know, you talk about it and you try to educate people because I, I, I assume everybody has the same knowledge I do and they don't. And it, that, that case right there of handing out blankets and burritos thinking that you're doing good. It's when you look at it, people think that we're big meanies when we say, please don't do that. But it gives them, it's more about them than the actual person they're trying to help. Right. It's and like so funeral. it's like feeding the animals at the zoo. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> There's signs everywhere. But they're so well, cute. <laughs> they've been passing out this message for forever. I mean, I I first heard this years ago, probably before I even met you. So more than ten years ago, I heard this message. But like you, when I hear something and I learn it, I think, oh, everybody's heard it and learned mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I forget that sometimes people don't hear it and don't learn it, or they hear it in passing and they don't think about it. And or maybe they hear it and they think, well, that's not really a reliable source. So, like you said, multiple sources, you know, uh, little podcasts like ours or and big media outlets and just lots of people until everybody can hear it from someone that they trust Mm -hmm. and believe it because it does sound mean, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a little part of me that's like, yeah, that's mean. But you talk, we were I'm talking about you, those if you're a hungry ones. homeless person in Salt Lake City, you are doing something wrong because there <laughs> you can get food at any time of the day from anywhere. We take very good care of our homeless people. I think that's why there's so many here. <laughs> you know, if, if you're hungry, if you're cold, it's because you want to be. Yeah. But well, like I was saying, if, if people are literally dying just because they're cold at this point, it sounds like it was their choice to stay out on the street and, and either be ill prepared or know, Hey, I'm sick and I probably shouldn't be out here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, and that's just it. You have to question somebody who wants to stay on the street in the freezing cold in the snow. They are not in their right mind. And it does not matter what type of outreach you do, unless they want to go inside, they will not. (laughs) And, you know, you've got health problems, you got alcoholism, you've got drug plot problems that are exacerbating the cold weather. And so to say somebody has frozen to death seems almost anecdotal. I mean, the candlelight vigil that Fourth Street Clinic holds every year at Pioneer Park Last year, so from December 2017 to December 2018, 127 people died. 
Does that to you sound like they froze to death? Is that what automatically goes to your mind? No. No? No. So 45% of those people were in permanent supportive housing. And so they were indoors. They were inside. They were in wraparound services when they passed. People die. Yeah. And if you, when you're living the lifestyle of, of the homeless lifestyle, your diet sucks. Your healthcare is non-existent. Your stress levels are, I have to imagine, through the roof. And, and you if get, they're you not. Get cancer, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Heart problems. You have pneumonia. And, no one takes care of you. Yep. I mean. So if I have a stroke and die on the street, what did I die from? Or underlying conditions. You have a heart attack or a stroke while you're at the shelter. Because, like, I'm sure if I went out and slept outside tonight, I might be super, super cold. Well, and even when it got really cold, but I probably would not die from freezing because I'm pretty healthy. Right. (laughs) But if I'm an old person or uh, like an underweight drug addict with a heart problem because I've been on drugs for so long and I sleep outside and I'm ill prepared and it gets down to 16 degrees, chances for dying are probably a lot higher. So yeah, it's like you used before. It's it's, It's quote unquote, maybe freezing to death because maybe the cold exacerbated it, but you had those underlying conditions. Mm-hmm. Is the Salt Lake Emmy tracking these things? You know what? I called the Emmy and they do not track them. And they they don't track, I know they have quite the they don't track anything. unaccounted. So I, I called the office of vital statistics. They led me to the funeral home who uh, <laughs> holds the contract for indigent cremation. And I called and spoke with the funeral director there and asked how many indigent cremations have they done since they have held the contract, which this is their second winter. Mm. The number is zero. Mm-hmm. So that's wow. since the rousting. So that doesn't mean that they're the they're the only ones that get those indigents. Those indigents also have families, and sometimes those yes. remains go to the families. Right. So if it's, I mean, if it's a truly unidentifiable person, they would go to this funeral home, but. In most cases, you can identify somebody through dental records or fingerprints mm. or tattoos. Is or our, maybe they'll even still have their ID on. Is our something. MA, is our Salt Lake City ME, uh, or Salt Lake County ME, are they dockers? I don't know. Cause usually they're not. <laughs> I actually could find an answer. MEs don't have to that. be at all. And mm. it's, it's actually a pretty big problem around the country. The Emmys are just not properly trained. So. I know somebody who is an Emmy in Dallas and no, he's not a doctor. Yeah, most of them aren't. They're not. And most of them like the requirement to be an Emmy is pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me because we just, we don't track it. Like yeah. it doesn't surprise me that we're not tracking those things. Well, and it's a hard thing. Cause like we, we keep quantifying what we're saying. We don't want to be mean or we don't want to do this because we don't. We don't want to sound like that horrible, horrible person. Well, it's person. also a hard thing to do an autopsy and determine that a person died of hypothermia versus a number of other causes. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if there's un- literally a number of other things that could have killed them. Mm-hmm. And they're not... Do we really want to spend our money on that? Like, if we're going to spend our money on a homeless person, do we really want to spend our money on trying to figure out why they died? Or do we want to spend our money on somebody who's still alive? Well, we want to spend our money on keeping people alive. Yeah. So, you know, we want to know the statistics so that we can disavow people who are saying that there are tons of people dying on the streets from freezing. So do we. But at the same time. They're just not out there. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I would rather my whatever money would go to looking at that. I would rather it go to somebody who's willing to come in off the streets. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but you're always going to have those people that don't want to come in for whatever reason. Do you know anything about the building that's going up on the corner of third and fourth by the, the police department? I had heard that that's going to be low designated, all low income. Where roasting company was. I don't, I don't know anything Mm. about that. It's, it's, it it is, it's, it's a mixed use building where they'll have businesses on the bottom, bottom, but I think that they're dedicating the whole thing to low, low income, income, small, like studio and one bedroom suites primarily for, uh, low income to, to get in and, and do you know how many units there are? I don't I'm know not sure yet. They're there. building it right behind me. And I still don't even know how tall it's, it's, it's right on four South. It's where Salt Lake Roasting Company gotcha. used to be. Okay. So the, right by where they're building all those new fancy ones, mm-hmm. they're building some low income ones. And everybody's like, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'm like, nothing. 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 People are going to have a place to live. <laughs> like, it doesn't cost $10,000 a year. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. It would yeah. be amazing. <laughs> because um, I think it would help a lot of the people who don't want to be homeless, but can't can't get anywhere else. Maybe they're those bouncing people. You know, and that's another misnomer is giving a homeless person a house solves homelessness. (laughs) I'm talking more about like people who have like really low income jobs who maybe they get into some place and they can't, and they can't, you know, they get in with their first months, first and last months or whatever. And then like the next month they're like, I, you know, I lost my job. Stuff happens. Like, mm-hmm. So hopefully these will be low enough income that they could have the, a job at McDonald's and still. The biggest I reason doubt. people end up in shelters is because of things like medical expenses. That 100%. Pop up. Yeah. Well, and those are, those are the people that you don't hear about. The people that you hear about are the chronic, yeah. the chronically homeless. And it would be nice to speak with people who are kind of just using the shelter or the resource center as that, that safety net. And that's exactly what they're intended for. Right. Use it as a safety net and you fall on hard times. You've got a place to go and you get yourself together and you get out. Yeah. And that's what's great about these new resource centers in particular. People, I mean, you know, the Women's Resource Center is at capacity, which is amazing because there are more beds than there were at the downtown shelter, which means women feel safe going there. Mm-hmm. Because the, down, the going downtown there. shelter was a bunch of dudes. It was a cesspool. Yeah. Anyone that I would talk to on in Pioneer Park and, you know, maybe they... sometimes it sounded like a script, but I would be like, you know, why, why don't you stay at the road home? Well, because it's unsafe. It's dirty. Mm -hmm. There's bugs, there's theft, there's violence. And we know from the audit, which happened a couple years ago, that that's not a a fallacy. That's not a story. That is actually a real thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't want to stay there. I'd probably feel safer on the street at that point, too. Smelly. I can't imagine what it was like when, you know, the high ups that weren't capacity. in there. Yeah. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk about the park specifically for a little bit because yeah. I know you guys have some big plans for it. Mm-hmm. The first question I have is what is the process to clean up the tree poop? <laughs> the tree poop? So, I joke about it because I've seen it a couple of times. We we took a bunch of friends to the market uh, one day this summer, and I was joking with them about having actually witnessed, well, not witnessed the pooping, but like the the poop on the tree that's like human height, not dog height, and then the pile below. And we turn around, and the tree we are standing at where they have all the food stuff legit has 
human excrement on like waist height <laughs> and then you can see it at the bottom. Gross. And I was just joking about it from another part of the park that I had seen it and it was right there because it does I happen. never find these things. He's No, I, I don't either. Poop so that's, I have not, that's actually seeker. a joke. I don't, I don't care about your cleanup. <laughs> you should hire him. <laughs> <laughs> Give him like 20 bucks a week and just have him go out and be like the shit stalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got better things to do with my time. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like you're out there. <laughs> but so I mean, uh, the, all jokes is, all jokes aside, I mean, you guys have done some stuff. Like the the center of the park has been completely redone. Yeah, uh, it's it's all just grass fields now, basically. It's, it's so pretty. It's it actually is. really beautiful. Um, and I saw some renderings from your website. You guys have a lot of plans for the park. So the, that that's just that's nothing concrete. That's nothing solid. There are actually several design charrettes out there um, getting the public involved. What do you want to see in the park? That was the design charrette that we did a few years ago with the Downtown Alliance. And that's what our people wanted to see. But the University of Utah, I know their students up there have done several design charrettes. Uh, the Parks Department is in the process of doing a design charrette for what do people want to see in the park? You know, we've got 10 virtually untouched acres and we could do a lot in that park. And so... You guys what, used to do huge concerts there, and that was yeah. not a good thing. No, it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to bring that no. back. <laughs> Those concerts, that, would, that would ruin the grass. Well, it's crazy. Those concerts. This was the this is the 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 summer concert series, um, Twilight concert series that was mm-hmm. going on for a while. Um, they started out so small. And they were great. And then you've got Wu Tang. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I remember, like the the year they brought in, like I think it was maybe like the second year they did it, and they brought in the Roots, and it was still at the Galvin Center. Uh-huh. And that place was so fucking packed. I'm like, there's no way you can continue to do this kind of concert series like this. You you have to find a better venue. No. So then they move it to Pioneer Park. And it wasn't any better. There were 10,000 people in 10 acres is way too many people. It was, it was nightmarish. Well, especially because at least at Gallivan, there's like a dedicated stage. Like Pioneer Park, you've got to put up a stage and designate areas. And oh, block it was things expensive. Off. Yeah. Because at Gallivan, like things are already set up to hold people back and have desert, you know, this is where you walk in. Now, you know, at Pioneer Park, it's like, well, it's, there's no walls. There's no gates. There's no fences. Yeah, like, think about we... all the money that you spend on fencing, all the money right. that you spend yeah. on putting up and tearing down a stage every week, all yeah. the money that you spend on potties, security. Yep. Cleaning up the park afterwards because people yep. are fucking terrible. It's not just homeless people no. that make messes. No, I've said that a couple not. times. In fact, they clean up better after themselves most Sometimes, of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, we we go places and I just watch people do things and I'm like, why would you do this? It's just Weird. a decline in humanity. It really is. <laughs> so what's what, what are the plans for the park? So the park, the center has been redone. But what are the what are the future plans or what's the next thing on the horizon for you? We don't know. That's really up in the air. Um, the Parks Department got so Pioneer Park got allotted three point four million dollars. So that's incredibly exciting. Um, the stipulation on that is that it has to go toward something new and not existing. So I know the Parks Department has been uh, trying to get a hold of the Jazz to collaborate on something for the basketball court. 
I think there's, don't quote me on this, but I think there's a, an organization called Hoops of Love, something like that, where they refinish basketball courts and with the Delta. Oh, I just thought I'm going to say again. it. The Do Delta it. Center. Yeah. <laughs> the I don't even know what it's called the now. Bib. The Vivint Smart Home Arena. The it will always be the Or the, what was, well, the ESA Energy yeah, Solutions Energy Arena Solutions for a while? Arena. For a yeah, couple for like weeks. like 10 seconds. It's the Vivint it's Center. All, now. Yeah, it's always going to be the, the Delta Home Center. Arena. It'll always be the East Center and the Delta Center yes. for me. Yes. But with that right down the street, we can absolutely get the jazz involved. And this is a fun fact. That I don't think a lot of people know. Um, Larry H. Miller used to play at Pioneer Park when he was a little boy. And so Gail Miller. I feel like Miller, Donovan Mitchell could be all over this. Absolutely. Donovan Mitchell is a badass. So yes. if he wants to call me Don. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see you're on a nickname basis with him. That dude is freaking awesome. He is. We are so lucky to have him in our community. Um, so what's, what's coming for the park? It's a good question. Right now we are in the infancy stages of a public private partnership. So big, great things. We really want to make this park be like a discovery green in Houston or a Bryant park or millennium park. It has the capacity. It has the drive surrounding it in the neighborhood, because when you look at that area, most people, that's their backyard. Mm -hmm. They don't have green space. Mm -hmm. So Pioneer Park is their green space. And there are a thousand plus units coming online as we speak. That's like all, like you're saying, Bryant Park, that's all the parks in New York City, Union Square, Washington, all of them are that way. Can we make sure, though, that it doesn't turn into, like, uh, what's the park in Chicago with the bean, which is basically Millennium Park. a bunch of fucking concrete and a statue in the middle oh, of Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think they would do that. They'd just put the lawn down. Yeah. That would be, be sad That's to counterproductive. That <laughs> they also have a lot more space than 10 yes, acres. Yes, they do. <laughs> that is a very, very big park. Yeah, we, we want it to be a nice, green, urban place where you feel safe and comfortable, where you're not going to lean up against a tree with duty on it. <laughs> or, or stick your hand on the grass and have a needle poke in. I've never seen a needle. I have. Have you? I've seen a needle. Chris attracts all the I've seen a needle. I've seen needles in Taylorsville. I don't know. I don't know if our, I don't know if our, Listeners know this, but I, I was part of some, some harm reduction stuff in Salt Lake proper for a long time. 20 some odd years ago, I helped start some, some safe haven type stuff down there and worked with some folks that did, yeah, work, work with folks that did needle exchange before that was legal. Um, so I, I know what I'm, I, I know what I see when I see things like that happen. So I always try and talk about it. I'm like, Oh, clearly a diabetic person has accidentally dropped. Him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause diabetic people often Aren't just different. Dis- needles? No, no, same, same syringes. And then, then there's pharmacists who take it upon themselves to be like the curator of syringes. Because we don't want drug users to get clean syringes. Oh, no. We have to berate them and ask why they need syringes because they're not a normal diet. Never mind. That's a whole diatribe. <laughs> yeah. That's another one of your I won't go on to that. But, but yeah, it, diabetics don't just discard their syringes I know, in but places. let's <laughs> try and picture it better. I have a question. So with the changes that they made at the Gateway, making it more of a like an event center instead of a mall, has that 
help Tinder change oh. anything? Has that changed the dynamic in any way? Absolutely. The Gateway, they are a big ally of ours and they have been working really closely with us. Uh, Vestar, who purchased the Gateway, they're great. Oh, good. And they want, uh, they want to see their money be put to right. good use and they don't want people to be scared away from that area anymore. And I understand that. And, you know, this goes back to the, well, we encroached on them. But now the downtown shelter is closing. They're moving into a lovely new building. We can get rid. It's not Pioneer Park Coalition that wants to develop it. It's just how it is. And that building was not meant to warehouse. It's it's a warehouse. Mm -hmm. It's an old warehouse. It's not meant to house people effectively and comfortably and safely. Did it ever start as like something that was meant to be temporary? Like, I don't yes. know what the, I, I had thought I had heard that, but I didn't know if that was a fact that the road home was like, we're going to do this temporary thing. And then it ended up lasting for decades. Well, well, before it was the road home, it was the travelers aid society. Oh, okay. And they, you know, it, it kind of started out like, all right, well, we've got this emergency shelter. We're going to, we're going to do 300 beds and then it ballooned up to the 1100. So it started out with good intentions. And, you know, I do believe that the, the management at the road home does have good intentions, but when you're dealt that building, you can only do so much. You yeah. can only do so much, which is why it's such a blessing to have these new resource centers come online that they're new, they're modern, they're clean, they're safe. There's no crazy hidey holes and hallways <laughs> and where bad things can happen. Well, yeah. And they were designed to house the services exactly. that are needed versus trying to retrofit some other building into that space. Exactly. I mean, that, that building is just disgusting. Are they going to just take it down? Yeah. Or? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. it, the date keeps getting pushed back, but it was, it was supposed to be demoed the week before Thanksgiving. But now they're not even supposed to be out until just after, right? You said 30 days was just notified. So that, I guess that's just, they're going to be out by the end of the month. Yeah. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. They had to transit, they have to transition fully. Yeah. So that takes time. Yeah. Especially since they'll do it the, slowly. Are all four of the other centers up and operational now? Just three of them. There's, there's only three. So there's the Geraldine King, which is on seventh, south and first east. There's the Gell Miller, which is on. About- well, that's right. Because no other fucking city would take the fourth one. That they wanted to do. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Cause it was like out in Draper. And then the people in Draper were like, Oh, we don't want a homeless people down here. Like really? Well, what's interesting about that is when there were four sites, uh, perspective sites, the capacity was only 550. So going to the three sites actually increased the capacity by oh, 150. That's good. Yeah. But I, I still think we could spread that love out a little bit across the valley. And I think people need to get over it uh, <laughs> as a whole. I agree. I agree. But people, you know, people, I think, don't understand the concept of a resource center. And that's, again, what education, why education is important. They don't understand that it is a one-stop shop and you're going to get everything you need. And it's a, we're going to get you out of here and stabilized as quickly as possible rather than, all right, take a number, have a sit. I'm sure it'll, it's going to take a few years to do it, but hopefully the numbers just start showing it so you can 
instead of saying, we hope that this happens, you can say, look, here's our numbers. Well, I mean, there are so many peer-reviewed studies that monitor this, and they all say that 200 to 300 is the most beneficial capacity because it's manageable. I think there's only at this point in time two shelters in the nation that have the capacity and the road home is one of them. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's just an ineffective model. Well, even if you look in places like San Francisco and look at the missions that they have in San Francisco, they're 50 to a hundred people. Right. And they're they're all over the place in the city. They're in, in the middle of neighborhoods and you don't even know that they're there most of the time. I don't know. I read a pretty damning <laughs> article She's about like, the homeless problem in San Francisco yesterday. So <laughs> I haven't been to San Francisco in years and reading that article, I don't want to. Well, my experience with San Francisco is that actually the worst homeless population in my experience was in Chicago. Mm. And I don't know that it was homeless so much as panhandlers, but it was very clear every time I've been to Chicago, especially in the downtown area, like they're out from about 630 till about because it's eight thirty nine o'clock, mm-hmm. they kinda, vanish. They show back up magically at like four. Well, we kind of skipped past this: the difference between a true homeless person that may be asking for your money, no, we and an actual perfect. No, we did. We talked about. We it. mentioned it in passing, but a true panhandler, like that's their job. The they one might go home to a house bigger than this and drive a Cadillac. It's true. The ones who stand on the street corners on the off ramps, they're not the no. road home clientele. No, not at all. No, they probably have a car parked around the side. They've of the got street. their kids with them, so you feel bad. And you know, if you look really close, those kids are awfully clean. Look, if, if you don't have a place to live, if you oh, got a, so mad. If you got me. a clever sign, I might give you money. <laughs> <laughs> if you tell me what you really want the money for, it's true. It's true. <laughs> My but, most favorite one was in New York City, and I was in Times Square walking, and this guy had a sign that said nin- that said. Um, uh, ninjas killed my family need money for lessons or something. Mm -hmm. I can't remember, but unfortunately somebody took this man's poster, took a photo and then it was for sale everywhere around the city. And I was just like, it was still the coolest sign I've ever seen. Hopefully he got some money for that. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Anyways, if you're going to, if you're going to be clever or if you're going, if you possess a talent and you're going to sit there and play the violin, I will happily hand you my money. But if you just, are aggressive and demand my money? No. No. Yeah. So we got one more question for you and then we'll let you go. Okay. Maybe uh, it's the hardest. One. I don't know. It might be. I don't know. You live in Utah. Um, you've planted some roots here and uh, it seems like you're going to be here for a while. You're trying to change Changed. Salt Lake City. <laughs> um, what's one thing that you would tell someone visiting the state of Utah they had to do before they left? Mm, just one thing. I grew up in the mountains and I have such a crush on the mountains in Utah and Big Cottonwood Canyon. Uh, if I could marry Big Cottonwood Canyon, I would leave my husband in a second. <laughs> I love Big Cottonwood Canyon and I think that it's breathtaking no matter where you're from, no matter who you are. You can't, I, I can't help but be in awe every time I go up there. So that would be my one thing that I would tell people to do. Because our mountains, you cannot deny it, are second to none. Oh, they're the best. They're the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So if people want to help or be involved or volunteer or need you to do something for them, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> well, um, I'm glad you asked that. If there are any landlords out there who have vacancies, which I know is a rarity in this market, um, what I would suggest you do is call the Salt Lake City Housing Authority which is 801-428-0569. That is the most immediate need right now. There's a housing push. So if there's anyone out there that has any vacancy whatsoever, please call that number. Um, if you need us to go bust some ass for you, you can find me on, <laughs> on our website. It's pioneerpark.co. That's P-I-O-N-E-E-R-P-A-R. K dot C O and my email address is Michelle M I C H E L L E at pioneerpark.co. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And thank and you guys. I was nervous a- for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we try and make it pretty painless. Hey man, I'll come back next week when Greg's here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we do appreciate when we have good guests on the show and even when we have bad guests. That was a, <laughs> <laughs> I think Michelle qualifies as a good guest. Yes. So. Good interview. Um, lots of, uh, lots of, it's good to hear. I, I kind of felt bad for a few minutes because I felt like maybe I was attacking Pioneer Park Coalition. <laughs> and I'm, she had good responses though. Yeah. I think she was, she was yeah. ready for the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wasn't like meaning to attack, but even like in my, like as I was saying some of the stuff, I'm like, of course it sounds like an attack, but it's, it's, I think it's a, like the questions about, um, you know, are, are the people in, like, cause from the outside looking at Pioneer Park Coalition, it totally looks like a whole bunch of freaking real estate developers just trying to kick the homeless out. And it's been said as much has been said publicly by, by folks. And, and it's, it's good to hear that the people that are primarily on the board are not that. They are wealthy, but you have to be to start a nonprofit like that. Mm-hmm. The, the, this goal is to clean up a particular area. Well, and the thing is, is you hear what the news wants you to hear. So it's always good to to get that other perspective. Yeah. And she came, you know, she 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 had actual numbers and actual reality and she's entrenched in this and knows actual reality. Uh and and um you know, we talked a little bit off off air and and I was kind of flipping through the um you know, the the website the workforce services, uh, how homelessness dashboard. There's a lot of good data there. It's not the best data, but it's data. Uh, and you know, the overall trend is, you know, we talk a lot about the chronic homeless population. Um, and while they're a problem, there's a lot of good that happens from the non-chronic population. And that's the vast majority. When I say vast majority, I mean, 90 ish percent or more of the people that go into these facilities get out, get housing, get back on their feet, and then turn around a lot of times and, and donate back to these facilities time and money and, and whatever they can. Um, but anyway, it was really nice to, to hear from her. Uh, I'm disappointed that she does not um, have the same kind of poop radar that I do. <laughs> no one does. Poop and no needles. So, in fact, that may, I still haven't decided if the episode name, I'm trying to decide if I can get away with naming it Shit Stalker. Or poop, or poop, and, poop, and, it, poop, poop and needles. Poop Seeker. It was the other, was the other one. I, I think Shit poop Stalker. Poop and needles sounds like pooping needles. Might be a little too explicit for <laughs> yeah, the show I think title. That's, that's but too much. Poop Seeker. 
Poop Seeker, I think, would work. Poop we, we talked about freaking bathrooms and porta potties a lot. Well, lots of things happen in them besides just going potty. Yeah, sometimes things happen. Sometimes Jess. things. It's not Utah news, but Kentucky just flipped their state. Wow. I just what? wanted to say that. <laughs> they just flipped their state? Yep. Oh, flipped their state in the political Election. race. Yep. Nice. That's good. That's, Turn that that's bitch really right over. Was that, just... was that a House or a Senate seat? Uh, we'll get right back to him. <laughs> <laughs> so it is election night. Unfortunately, uh, that is never going to happen in Utah. But uh, anyway, yeah, thanks, thanks, Michelle, for for joining us. Uh, another West Sider, uh, up in arms over here with us, uh, us Kearns and Knights. Kentucky governor race. Oh, Ooh, well, that's actually governor. really good. That's really good. That's nice. The Republicans own the gubernatorial houses of almost all the states. It's pretty ridiculously depressing, actually. Uh, and legislatures of states. He was their attorney general. Oh. Awesome. Awesome. Top cop turned governor. Uh, anyway, um, enough about Kentucky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one really cares about Kentucky. I know. It's just as big It is actually me, really so. cool, though. That is really cool. Um, that's going to do it for tonight, I think. So, uh, if uh, you listened to this or you opened it up and you somehow managed to get to the end of this episode. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, the next thing I need you to do is go ahead and uh, share the episode. Um, smash that share button. Is that Smash? I was listening to some podcasts and they were talking about smashing that subscribe button from what, what The thing is, is they're not actual buttons. Like it's not like you're it's not like you're trying to dial a phone and you're really pushing a physical button where you no. hit it harder and it does anything. But it does help us the most if you share. Um, if you want to reach out to us, we're on Facebook at the New Utah Podcast. And you can leave uh, us a review. Yeah. That we, would be rad. We, we like reviews on whatever platform you listen on. Uh, surprisingly, iTunes uh, large, but I don't think it's the biggest uh, for us platform-wise. Um, we're on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, so just share that platform with your, your friends and family and people you don't like. Um, <laughs> you can reach us on Twitter and on Instagram at TNU Podcast. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach us, and we retweet lots of stuff, just not racist And through bullshit. the website. And thenewutah.com is a fantastic way to reach yeah. out. A lot of people reach out via Facebook, actually. Uh, we get a lot of Facebook messages, which we're totally okay with. Um, and if you have stuff you want us to share and you don't suck, we'll share it. And you don't suck. If you suck, I'm probably suck not going to share it. in a good way. We'll share yeah. it. Well, I mean, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sometimes that's a valued asset. That is true. I do like people that suck in a good way. <laughs> that is your saints, those of you that, yep. if you know what Talent. I'm talking about. So uh, have a have a marvelous week. Uh, there's lots of cool stuff to start doing. Don't fucking decorate your house for Christmas and turn on lights. You can buy yet. stuff all you want. Just don't put it out. Don't put it out. Don't let Thanksgiving go into. I, I'm all on board with what Radio from Hell is doing, by the way. Uh, but I'm I'm telling you, Thanksgiving is a great holiday. Uh, it's my favorite holiday. Chris likes don't holidays that are celebrate food. Hell yes, I do. And being drunk. <laughs>